All right, so I'm going to add a little bit of a little Spanish sass to it. Y'all ready for this? Come on, stick up your hands. God, we bless you in this place. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, God. There's so much more. God, we bless you in this place. Just come on with your lips, with your words. Come on, bless him. We love you, Lord. No one like you, God. Oh, praise Hallelujah. Oh, church, bless his holy name. It's so Sing it, I'm trading. And I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame. Come on. Yes, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness and pain. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Yes, we say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Come sing, I'm trading. Yes, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame. Yes, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Trade my sickness, come on. Yes, I'm trading my sickness. Yeah, I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. Come on, church, get ready. We say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. 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 Yes, yes, Lord. Sing it again, say yes, we say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, we say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Get ready to jump, we say yes, come on, we say yes, Lord. Time. Get low. Yes, we say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Come on, get low. Get low. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Come on, whisper it out. Come on, whisper. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Come on, get low. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Come on, you ready? Yes, yes, Lord. Get ready to get loud. Here we go. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Bring it up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Come on, shout it out. We say. We say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. 
refreshing way. He's taking you places you couldn't have thought imaginable. Isn't he worthy? Come on. All that you're learning, all that you're experiencing. Come on, if you're not, if you haven't been experiencing, come on, just lift your hands in this place. His glory is here. His presence is here. Come on. Jump in with us. Doesn't matter if this is your first time. <laughs> Jump in. Lift your hands. He's worthy of the praise. Come on. Oh, you worthy, Lord. Are you Lord? 
Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. Holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord this afternoon? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just prayerfully make your way back to your journals, please, to your seats. We'll dismiss the band except for Adam. Thank you, brother. I want you just to kind of be prophetic for me for a little bit. Just sing whatever comes into your heart, man. We just want to prepare our hearts for what we're going to have today. Somebody I I think I overheard say it's the last session. Somebody say the devil is a liar. No, I'm just kidding. Was that you, Adam? That was me. <laughs> no, there, there's a last session with a preacher that hasn't preached yet, and that is tomorrow. So Pastor Chris will be doing it at Wicker Park. Um, but I want you just to meditate right now. Adam's just going to sing prophetically. But what is God speaking to you? What happened during the break? What revelations did you receive in fellowship with your friends? What are you hearing God say in worship right now? We're about ready to get into getting the most out of the gospel. And we're going to talk about how to get the most out of the gospel in your families, being single, and the youth. So, Adam, would you just kind of prophetically lead us in the song? And you guys just write down what you feel God is speaking to your heart right now. Come on, let's just meditate a few moments. Not be in a hurry. Such a good ride. Oh, you take us into the secret place And you meet with us Oh, take me deep, Lord Take me deep, Lord Watch your spirit Search my home Closer and closer to you Closer and closer, I want to be closer to you. Oh, it's with you I find my joy, I find my peace. It's with you. I found my joy, I found my peace. Cause with you, I found my joy, I found my peace. Everything I need, I find in your presence, Lord. I find in your shelter, I find in your refuge, oh God. Oh, I want to be in your refuge, oh, safe and tucked away, oh, closer to you, oh, because your name 
Your name is a strong tower for me. Oh, cause your name is a strong tower for me. When I call on your name, Lord, oh, you are there, you are my rescue, my strength. When I call on the name of Jesus, you'll never leave me dry, you'll never forsake me, oh, and you see me, Lord. Come on, just a few more moments. What a powerful song Adam is singing. What is God saying to you? What do you want to see happen? How do you want to apply these messages into your life? That's how we're going to be directing the service now is how is the message going to be applied to your life? You're married. You have a family. How do you see these messages coming back home with you tonight, tomorrow, and your life being different in the family? You're a single person. How do you see these messages affecting who you are and possibly finding the spouse that you're going to marry one day? And if you're a youth, how is this, you know, everything you've learned going to tie in to what you do at school? You've been learning about grasping the gospel, understanding it, that God created us. We sinned. He died for us. He's going to judge us, but we can be saved. You've been grasping that. You've been understanding it. You've been growing in it, getting rid of your idols, remaining in Jesus, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, winning souls. You learn today about sharing the gospel. Do it because Jesus said so, that there's a heaven and a hell. We should change the world we live in. Now, how do you get the most out of that? A few more moments with Pastor Adam singing, how do I get the most out of this? Bring it back home with me. Jesus, show us, God, how do we apply this to our everyday lives? You say obedience is better than sacrifice. So in my heart, I choose to obey your words, Lord. Spirit of God, come bring power to your words. Spirit of God, come bring life to my heart. Spirit of God, come bring life to my soul. You choose to obey. Choose to follow, choose to walk. Oh, thank you, God. 
give you just a few more seconds, but those of you who feel like you're good with the journaling, you can open up to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 4 and onward. But I'm going to give you just a few moments to wrap it up. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and onward. I just feel good about what God is saying to me. I feel confident in it. I know I'm going to be tested in these things when I'm not with you and I'm not in the presence of the Lord like this. So I'm going to get ready for a fight, a battle. I don't know about you, but I know things are going to try to come and attack me for my promises and the things that God's given me. But I'm going to fight back. I'm not going to let the devil come and just take what God did this weekend in my life. And I pray that you do the same. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Adam just blessing us there. Thank you, man of God. We're going to turn on the lights now. We're going to transition. Want to prepare your heart for getting the most out of the gospel. One of the things that we had considered before was that we were going to break you off into three groups, those who are married, those who are single, and those who are youth. But I said, you know what, let's have everybody hear these messages because the video recording will be better for the future to share with others. And then think of it like this. If you're a youth, one day you're going to be a single young adult, so you'll know how to operate that way. And then one day you're going to be married, so you're going to know how to be married. And then those of you who are already married, one day you're going to have youth and teenagers who are then going to become single adults. So it's good for you to know what they're going through. Amen? So uh, they're going to give you each 20 minutes of their section, and I want you guys to hear it all. And... Uh, then tomorrow's message is going to be on the God of the gospel. And so that is going to be the finale to this message. I'll be preaching it here at Reese Park, Pastor Chris at at, uh, Wicker. And we want you to come back Sunday morning with your friends and family tomorrow to experience the conclusion of this. We're going to be showing a video. It's going to be powerful. It is going to be powerful, even if people have never come to any of the meetings. But for those of you especially who have been here from start to finish, it is just going to rock and change your life. So I really want you to see that as the finale. Now today, I want you to look at this being the practicals. How do you practically apply these messages? You know, you've heard about the gospel. You've learned about how to grow in the gospel, give the gospel. But now you need to get the most out of it. You need to receive it in such a way that it changes your everyday life. See, I believe that the gospel benefits us. Now, what is that definition we've been running through? And you're going to hear it many times today because each one of the sessions is going to start off with it. But look at your notes and just read it with me. When you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Okay, so I want to get you guys to read it with me. Just look at any page where it has the the gospel defined because you're going to see it basically anywhere, you know. Just when you find it there, just let me know you're there. Somebody say, I'm there. If you're not there yet, say, hold up. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a few more moments. I want you to be able to see this today. I think this is going to encourage you before we get into our lessons. I want us to read this together, the definition of the gospel and what I believe it means to us. Okay, let's read the definition of the, uh, the gospel defined. One, two, three. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Now, if you're with me there in Second Peter, I want you to see what I believe is important for you to know when it comes to receiving information like you did this weekend. Starting in verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, 
Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's a way of summarizing the gospel. Jesus promises you things in the gospel, and they will cause you to escape the things of this world. You will escape the corruption of this world. Is everybody tracking with me here? The gospel saves you, does it not? Does not the gospel take you away from the corruption of this world? And then it allows you to share, participate in the divine nature. So when you are born again, you are no longer in your earthly nature. You are born again into the nature of Christ. You participate. You taste of God's nature. It doesn't mean you're equal with God in his divinity, but you are now like God in his character, a new creation. You are created holy and righteous. That is who you are. You are not trying to be righteous. You are not trying to be holy. You'll never try hard enough. You'll never be good enough. When you are born again, you are born again holy. You are born again righteous. You need to believe that you are who the Bible says you are. That is a promise and it is a fact. The fact is it's happened now and the promise is one day you will shed this body and your spirit will shine forever with Christ Jesus and then be given a new body to reflect what you were promised today. You will have a perfect body to go with your perfect soul and spirit. Are you listening? You will have that. Those who have not repented except Jesus, the gospel, they will have a body of destruction to go with the corrupted soul and spirit, and forever in eternity they will suffer. The gospel separates us from them. And for some of you, this is an identity crisis. For us who are used to trying to fix ourselves and better ourselves, you can't get over this because you keep looking at your past and the things that you've done or haven't done or, or the promises you've made and haven't kept, and then you think that somehow salvation has failed you, that salvation doesn't work for you, and then you'll put it on the church, the pastor, the Bible study, the life group, and say, oh, this didn't work, this didn't work. No, the gospel works. You're just not working it. You're not putting your faith in it. The gospel works. If the gospel saved me and perfected me and made me a new creation and all things passed away and everything became new and I became seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus and if I was given all the blessings of God, if that happened for me, it happens for you and you and you and you when you put your faith in Jesus. He's not playing favorites and it's not make-believe. It's not like, oh, Joe's still a dirty, rotten sinner, but he's pretending to be changed. Either Jesus saves totally or Jesus doesn't save at all. And I happen to believe Jesus is a perfect Savior, that I am perfectly saved. I am perfectly saved today. Some people think that God is just chiseling away at their old nature and eventually their new nature is going to shine. Well, when do you get the new nature, Bubba? Well, I get it when I die. You don't need it when you die. You're already in heaven. You need it here. You get the kingdom of God here to invade the kingdom of this earth. You need a changed life here. Why do I need perfect joy when I'm in the presence of God, not with jokers down here? I don't need perfect joy anymore. I mean, it would be nice benefit, but there's no sin and evil up there. 
I need perfect joy here. I need perfect peace here. I need righteousness here. And it's given to us through Jesus Christ. The gospel says we become who he was because he became who we were so we might be saved. Think about that. He became sin. Jesus became sin. Not that he acted in sin, but all sin was placed upon him so that you might be like him, righteous. So who are you today? Are you righteous or are you unrighteous? Are you holy or are you unholy? As you think is as you are. Did the gospel save you? And I love talking to religious people that quote these scriptures, but then they don't believe what they say. They say, well, Joe, you know, we're still going to be in the flesh and battle the flesh, and we got a bad side of us, and then we got a good side of us, and now they wrestle with each other like two pit bulls. And, and then I say, well, do you believe 2 Corinthians 5.17? If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Where is the battle in that, my friend? The battle has been won. You are more than a conqueror today, not tomorrow when you get to heaven today. And some people say, oh, pastor, you know, you're just trying to tell us something that's not true, mind over matter. If we just pr- pretend and believe that we're really that different, then, then we'll overlook the faults of our life. No, listen to me. I'm telling you, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, your faults are no longer a part of who you are. They are obliterated as far as the east is from the west. You have to stop living like who you were by your memory and live as the word of God says you are. You are no more a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde than I'm a cross-dressing transvestite on Belmont and Clark. And I'm not, amen? There aren't two yous. There is one of you. You know, everybody talks about Romans 7. Well, I do the things that I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. Paul says that I battle the flesh and all of that. Well, read on what he said. He said, as long as I am under the law, this is what it's like. I try to change, and I can't change myself. But he then says in Romans chapter 8, But thanks be to God, who in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. In him there is no more condemnation. Those who are with Christ have been crucified with Christ in the life they now live is with Christ that's who we are that's what the gospel tells us now you have the decision to make do you want to keep acting like the person you used to be and be then a contradiction to God and what he called you to be because when God looks at you he calls you holy when God looks at you he calls you his child now if you want to act like a child of the devil and if you want to act unholy the Bible says you will then eventually get spit out of his mouth that you keep acting like that and then some say, well, this is the part, the part of life I'm supposed to have. Then the Bible says you are an immature, spiritually, a, a, a fleshly, carnal Christian because you keep living as you should not. But for those of us who can believe it, those of us today who can say, okay, well, Jesus said if I was born again, I get born again. Well, then I must be born again. I must be new. Those who can believe that live a new life. Those who say, hey, when when I became a new creation, I actually became a new creation. They get to live the life of a new creation. When people believe that they are the righteousness of Christ because Christ became sin for them, they're going to live like the righteousness of Christ. Amen? And I want you to understand that there is something, though, we do in our salvation. So we don't just say, well, Christ saved me. There is nothing that I do from this point forward. 
the doing isn't for the salvation. The doing we now do, there is a doing, but it's for our fruitfulness. So as you hear about these things, we're not saying, oh, you have to, uh, you know, do all of this in your family to become a better Christian. No, we're saying the day you got born again, that's as best of a Christian as you will ever be. Now, how you learn to live like Christ is a process, but you are saved as much as the day you were born again as you are 10 years after memorizing the whole Bible. Is everybody with me? So you may then say, well, why do we put any effort into this at all if we're already perfectly saved, righteousness of Christ, called his holy one, seated with him in heavenly places? Why do we put work into this? Well, the work is now not for salvation. Ephesians says you are Christ, uh, God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. He did the work, but he did this for you to do good works prepared for you in advance so what we do now is good works out of a response out of the good work Christ did in us okay so how do you become the mom that God calls you to be you trust the Christ in you can do all things and the new you will be the best mom you can possibly be you will look to the Word of God as your example. If you should fall short of that, because I believe Christians can still sin, if you fall short of that, you will ask God to forgive you. But you will strive to be all that God called you to be and not make any excuses. Can I hear an amen? It says, though he has given us his very great and precious promises, through them we participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has has forgotten he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So why do we learn the actions of God, the commands of God, the duties of God, not to earn salvation, but to be fruitful in salvation and to avoid falling from our salvation? But it's all a work of faith. We're adding to our faith these things. We're adding to our faith these things. You're going to learn today some knowledge to add to your faith. You're going to have today uh, some goodness added to your faith. You're going to learn about self-control today, added to your faith. And it's up to you to apply those things in your life by faith to experience all that God has for you, to participate in the divine nature, to be like Christ, to be who he called you to be. Some of you might say, it sounds like it's too good to be true. No, it sounds like good news called the gospel, that sinners can be saved and become saints and actually live like Jesus here on this earth. I believe it. And so we're going to start off today in ages. We're going to start with the youth, then we'll go to the singles, and then we'll go to the married couples. So Alejandro Hernandez, would you come, please? Hallelujah. Talk to us from the perspective of a great youth pastor from Wicker Park, brother, about what we need to know for youth. Amen. Hallelujah. Give God some praise right now. Amen. 
Uh, my name is Ellie Hernandez. I'm the youth pastor of Wicker Park, just so you guys know. And before we just get into the, the word, I just want to actually just pray. I, I just want to honor God and everything that I'm about to say. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we thank you right now for the word, God, and we know that it is you that we adore, God. We know that it is you that we want to go in a relationship with. We want to grow in it, God. We want everything you want for us in this life, God, and we want eternal life above all things, God. We know that your gospel has set us free, God, to do good works for you, God, but most importantly, to to love you, to follow your ways, to seek you with all our hearts, God, to seek your face and to find it, God. I pray, God, that the youth here, they would grow today, God, as they have been growing throughout the whole entire conference, and I pray that every single person as well in this place would be encouraged by this message, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just got to tell you right now that I love Jesus, and I want you guys to, to know that I'm a radical for the Lord. I have given my life to the Lord at a young age. I went to church, I believe, when I was 15. I was in and out. I've been a part of a lot of youth groups, and to be a youth pastor has been a lot to me because I, I know that the youth need somebody in their life that can actually preach truth to them. I'm a, I'm a really... Um, truth preacher, basically. That's what I like to consider myself. I I like to preach discipleship. I like to preach radical transformation in Jesus Christ. I don't just say, okay, just come to, you know, elevate, just hang out and all that. I want people to be changed. And I'm not compromising in the gospel when I do that to a youth. I've seen people come. I've seen people go. And honestly, that's, it's heartbreaking to me, but in, in all what the gospel is, the glorious gospel that we've talked about today and yesterday, it's worth it. And it's worth to see one person give their life and to be transformed completely by this gospel. Amen? If you can turn to page 18 of your packets, I'm just going to mix up just the first part of the, the notes here. And I want to start off with the gospel definition. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's such a powerful statement. It is so thick. And as I was thinking about it and reflecting about it, I actually I wanted to reword it just a little bit just for the, the sake of what I want to talk about right now. And I want you to get this. The proclamation of man's reconciliation to God through faith in Jesus' work. The proclamation, the proclaiming of mankind's ability now to be reconciled, to be reunited with God through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. That is what the gospel is. You see, we have to understand that the gospel is not fire assurance. That's what it's not. We can't just say, oh, I I believe in the gospel. I got that when I was a, a younger person back in the day. We can't say that. The gospel enables us to have a relationship with God. It enables us to go to the throne room of God. And I know as a youth, that is the most precious experience that you can possibly have. It is better than any party. It's better than anything that you can possibly go to. Better than any movie you can watch on a Friday night. The presence of God, the relationship with God, the fulfillment, the promises that he gives you. That is God's glory. You are enabled to get that relationship. You were created for God. You were created by God, and God knows you the most intimately. He knows you more than anybody else can possibly know you. 
Now, I love my wife, and I'm married to a beautiful woman, Leilani Hernandez, the co-pastor of Elevate Worker Park. Now, I'm telling you, I love her, but I don't love her enough to count the number of hairs on her head. That's just, that's obsessive, all right? That's not me, okay? But Jesus does. Jesus knows that. He knows her intimately. He knows every single thing about her, every quirk, everything. Likewise with you, with people, everybody here. God knows you the most intimately. And the gospel was meant so that you can be reconciled with him. Amen? And the gospel's impact in your life, Romans 5.18 reads, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. You see, with Adam, he sinned, messed it up. Everybody is condemned because of Adam. But through Jesus' act on the cross, now we have a justification through God. We are right with God now. We are right with our maker. God doesn't look at us and he says, oh, you know what? You jacked up. You, you messed up. I can't, I can't accept you into the kingdom of God. No, now he says, you're right with me. Come with me. Come share the blessings I have for you. That's what he wants. He wants you to get closer to him. He wants you to be right with him. He brings life for all men. Imagine that, to hear that you, you yourself, before you came to Christ, you were dead in your transgressions, where you were walking, whatever you did, however well you thought that you were living life, the Bible says that you were dead in your transgressions, but through Jesus Christ and his act, you were given life. Hallelujah, that's the Lord right there. So what I want to really share right now is, what are we going to do when we leave this place? What do we do when we leave this conference and we go on the streets, when we go back home, when we deal with the people that we normally deal with? I know youth, they have a hard time dealing with family members who are not saved, the authority that's put over them, and they have to follow along with those things. They have to go to school. They have to do all sorts of stuff like that. What are we supposed to do? Where, how are we supposed to act now? We've been transformed by God. We were on the altar here. We were giving our lives to God. We were being changed on the inside. And oh, what are we supposed to do now? If you can go to the opening verse, and it's just at the top of the notes. Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had. Everybody said all he had. And bought the field, that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I want to let you guys know today that throughout this conference, you have found a hidden treasure in this world. The gospel is a hidden treasure amongst all belief systems, amongst all religions, amongst all ideologies. You have found a hidden treasure. You have found something so great, so valuable. It will rock your life. It will change your life for the rest of eternity. You have found that in this conference. You have been enabled to go into the kingdom of heaven to have a, a relationship with God. That is so precious. And the Bible says that the man who did, who found it in joy, not in gloom, not in sadness, not like, oh, I have to go home now and I got to live differently now. 
in joy. He went back to his town, and then he sold everything he had, everything. And he came, and he bought the field, and he had the hidden treasure. That's how we're supposed to act with this gospel now. What we're supposed to do with it now, we're supposed to go back to our homes or go back to the place that we, we are, we're normally at. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to give everything we possibly can. Invest in this gospel. Invest in what Jesus did so that we can have it. So that we can have that hidden treasure. We have the gospel now within us. Amen? I want to ask you a question. Has the gospel transformed your life during this conference? It's a simple question. You can't say maybe. You can't say a little. You can't say a lot. Just say yes or no. That's right there in your notes. Just circle one. And now I just want to give you guys three ways to get the most out of the gospel. And this is specifically something I've seen a lot in youth. And it applies to everybody. But I want to really just do it from a perspective to the youth, first of all, and then to the, to the adult. Number one, do not love the world. You want to get the most out of this gospel? When you go back home, the first thing you should do is not love it, not love the world, not love the things of the world. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. Everybody say anything. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. not love the world. You see, it's easy. It's easy because the world is full of temptations. It's full of distractions. It's full of things that are not godly. The Bible says that the cravings of sinful man, that's one of the things that you can fall into when you go back into the world. The cravings of what you see in front of you, what you can possibly get. That party. Man, my friends, they're, they're asking me to come to that party. Man, I don't know, man. It's going to be pretty fun. You know, that girl's going to be there. That guy's going to be there. That Things like that. Do not love. That the cravings. The cravings. Just the other day, I was, I was playing dominoes with my in-laws. And I saw this, uh, this girl. She was with uh, one of the, my sister-in-laws. And she was uh, leaving. And there was this old guy who I was playing dominoes with. And he started, like, hollering at her. And I'm thinking, this guy has to be, like, in his 30s, and this girl's, like, 18 or something like that. And I just saw it immediately right there. He loves the world. His cravings, what he sees, what he wants so much. And Jesus, I know, he's going to be like, don't do that. You know, give your life to me. Get saved. Get sanctified. Get your, get your priorities straight. But no. Don't let those cravings come at you. The lust of the eyes with guys, especially with guys, it's so easy because you're, you're such a visual person. And so you see something down the street, especially around the, the summertime in Chicago. Oh, my gosh, you, you look, you're just looking down the street. Got to look away. Don't let, don't let the things of this world, the, the images that you see, don't let those things distract you. If it's on the Internet and you see some ad come up and it's enticing you, do not love it. 
Remember what happened in this conference. Remember what you did on the altar. Remember what God did on the cross. Remember that. Hallelujah. And for extra measure, Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I don't know if you ever had a dog, but I've had, a, I've had two dogs before in my lifetime. And it's pretty nasty when they do that. But that's what people do. They get saved, and they think it's all great, and then they're, I just want to go back now to my vomit. I want to go back to the world. I want to go back to the things I know that hurt me in the end. I want to go back to that. It's foolish. The Bible says, so a fool repeats his folly. The second thing is to put God first in everything. Putting God first in everything. It's kind of hard, I understand, because we don't see God. I know that. I understand that. We don't see God, and so it's hard to put God first then. And then when our lives have to direct us and we, we have to get the bread, or when we have to make decisions that are important decisions in our life, sometimes it's easy to forsake God in those decisions. Especially, I, I see it all the time when youth are starting to go into college or when they're considering, oh, should I join a team? Should I, should I you know, miss Fridays? I always say this, put God first. God will honor you in that. God will honor you when you put him first in every aspect of your life. Because if you put anything else before God, you are putting an idol. That's what Nancy preached. Come on. Matthew 6, 32 to 33. And this is talking about, just real quick, it's talking about what we sometimes worry about. Clothes, what to eat, what to, all that stuff. What does it say right here? Well, the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. You know what seeking means? It means to look, look really hard, not just, uh, you know, I'm going to think about it for like 30 seconds, and then I'm just going to forsake God's way. No, it's seeking first. It is a deliberate action. To put God number one. If you expect your, your life to actually go for something good in this, in this life, how are, how are you going to take away God from it? God is righteousness. God is pure. God is holy. God is good. And all his gifts are perfect. To, that's what the Bible says. Put God number one. And the third point. And I just want to ask this question real quick. Do you guys really want to get the most out of the gospel? Do you guys really want to get the most out of the gospel? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I want to know. Like, do you guys really want to get the most out of the gospel? All right, amen. Then allow Jesus to be everything in your life. And what I mean by that is allow Jesus to be the very substance of your life. Don't just go looking for him when there is an issue going on in your life or when you need, just need something real quick or you just want somebody to be there. But everything in him. The Bible says in John 6, 53 through 56, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Where's that found in the Bible, right? What happened there? It's in the context of when Jesus was doing miracles and people were starting to follow Jesus because they were thinking, man, I can get so many things from Jesus. He's providing everything. He's providing the bread. He, you know, he's doing miraculous signs in front of us. And what happens? Jesus said, you know, you, you're not even following for me anymore. You're following me because of the bread that I gave you. You're following me because sometimes I'm convenient for you on a Sunday when you're feeling down and you've done all the things that you shouldn't have done throughout the week. No. You want to be, you want to get the most out of this gospel, especially to youth. As you go back to your high school, you put God in everything. The way that you're sustained, you feed off of his flesh. You feed off of what he did on the cross. Your lifestyle now is dictated by what he did on the cross. You drink his blood. You let that blood wash you clean every single day of your life. You do not forsake it. You do not walk away from it. You do not think maybe there's something better in a different religion. You do not do that. You drink his flesh. You, you eat his flesh and you drink his blood. That's what the Bible says. It's radical, isn't it? It's radical to hear that. You know what the, those people who heard that message, what they did? They deserted him. They left him. They said, I, I don't want to do that then. This is too hard to, to listen to. No, man, I'm telling you, this is the only way. The Bible says if you do not do that, you have no life in you. Let's not, let's not get this twisted. You have no life in you. The Bible says in John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you. You need to know Christ. You need to know God. John 15, verse 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruits. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what? My disciples. This is it right here. You want God? Remain in him. Because if you don't remain in him, guess what? The Bible says you're like a, a branch that just withers. It's thrown away. It is thrown, it's thrown to the fire and it's burned. Do not let that happen in your life. So as you're putting this in your context of what you can do as you leave this place, remember, do not love the world. When you go back to it, don't start to get tempted by it and fall in love with it and be deceived by the devil's lies. Put God number one in everything. In your time, in your family, in your friendships, the first thing you talk about when you see somebody, they're like, hey, man, you know, I just went to this awesome party, man. I just got this awesome CD by Lil Wayne. And you're like, oh, you know what, man? I just went to this awesome conference, man. I just gave my life to Jesus. I got on fire, dude. You put that, he put that in his plate. Whoa, okay. You're a Jesus freak now? What? And lastly, allow Jesus to be everything in your life. 
the very substance of your life. Amen? Will you go back home and give everything you have for the gospel? You have found a hidden treasure. Will you go back and will you sell everything? Amen? Circle yes or no? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you right now. And we come before you, God, and we ask you that you would be right now with us, God. In this time when people are just anticipating what to expect, God, I pray that they start to get encouraged, God, by what you are doing. You are their strength. You are their helper, God. You are their refuge, Lord. And I pray that in any time it gets too difficult, God, when they start to feel maybe discouraged at one point or where they feel like maybe they're getting dry, God, I pray that you would remind them of your grace, of your love, of your mercy, God, that you would show them how good you are, that they would have an outpouring of your spit in their life, God, that it would constantly flow within them, God, that it wouldn't be stagnant, Lord. I pray that every single person here would be blessed by today, God, and by the conference in general. Let them never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, hallelujah. Come on, let's give an extra hand clap here for Ellie. What a powerful word. So now let's take a few moments just to journal on this. What are you going to give up? What are you going to do differently? When every speaker is done, we're still going to do breakouts. All the youth are going to break out with Pastor Ellie. All the adults will break out with uh, Chris and Vanessa, and all the singles will break out with Berto and Griselda. But I want you just to journal right now. What came to your heart when he was talking about that? Because, man, I highlighted it there. That just part, that part blew me away right at the end. That's why God wants us to obey him and do good things. He wants us to bear fruit. Jesus. Think about that. The devil wants to stop you. Do you not, not have a paper or something? I'll look at this. Uh, Berto, will you grab him a pen and notebook, please? He's pulling a youth move right now. He's trying to be too cool for the, too cool for school. But you know what Mr. T said? I pitied a fool. So you ain't too cool for school because that's only a fool. And he ain't no fool. There you go. Oh, man. That was a great application, Pastor Ellie. That spoke to my heart, and I really hope that got into some of the youth, man. I wish um, I would have heard that more when I was a teenager. I wish I would have. God is so exciting, man. Living for God is awesome. And I think the adults can be encouraged by that. Amen? Just take a few more moments. Like I said, we'll have a breakout group, and the youth, you're going to be able to talk about those things. If you don't want to, that's up to you. But I really would like to see the high school and junior high students be able to talk about that in a group and really express what things you're willing to give up, what are you going to do. And the thing that he talked about, the lust of the eyes and the sinful nature, that's a temptation to you. You can go right back to who you used to be. Or you can check your heart and say, God, keep me holy. Guard my eyes. Guard my heart. Right? That's good for everybody. All right, we're going to be moving on now to singles. And uh, this may be good for some of the single moms and dads as well, or for those who are not in any relationship, but this will be good for you. And then we'll go to marriages, and that will also just be for families in general with uh, having children. So uh, let's give it up for uh, Berto Goivea and Griselda Pastora Goivea. Thank you very much, Pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
For those that don't know me, my name is Heriberto Govea, my wife, Grisela Govea. We do pastoral care here at the Reese Park campus, and we are honored to bring forth to you singles how to get the most out of the gospel. Amen? All right, so if you're single in here, raise your hand real quick. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, single, single. Nice and high. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Amen. I can, so I can know who I'm speaking to. Good. Singles. Amen. I right, put your hands down. Now, if you are single and you enjoy singlehood and, and you're, you're not looking for a spouse, raise your hand. If you're single, you're enjoying singlehood. <laughs> Awkward. Okay. Amen. We got we to gotta, we gotta, uh, hear a bachelor to the rapture. Two of them. Youth. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're single and you just can't wait for the Lord to bring forth your spouse, raise your hand. Amen. Majority, that's okay. I like the honesty. Praise God. Amen. So, uh, we see that there's two different types of single groups in here. Okay. There's singles that minority do not want to get married just yet. Amen. And there's the other ones that decide to get married. And both of those things are good. That's fine. That's totally fine. And we're going to learn here in the Bible uh, uh, what God says about singleness. So if we can go to our opening verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 to 9. Here Paul, uh, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, commissioned by the Lord Jesus, he actually encountered God powerfully, and the Lord commissioned him to preach to the churches. And, uh, and, and Paul was, uh, you know, going to many churches, just bringing forth the gospel and powerfully. And here he's speaking to the church at Corinth. They were pretty much a little bit out of control. My wife's going to talk more about that. She comes up. But let's go here and read. It says, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Everybody say amen. So we see here, Paul is instructing. This is not a commandment. Paul is instructing single people, okay, unmarried. It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Because Paul was an unmarried man. And it actually says that because of his singleness, he has so much more time to work on the Lord's affairs. That's, that's a benefit of singleness. Amen? And, but then he says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, so... Males and females, when you see the opposite sex, something happens inside, correct? You know, oh, this guy's cute. This girl looks fine. I'm interested. It's normal. It's okay. You know, we're made with hormones. We're made to be attracted to the opposite sex. So Paul's saying, if you are burning with a passion, you should marry. Okay? A little awkward. That's all right. I'm just going to show a few scriptures here. Uh, Paul instructing. Of sing, of, uh, to singles. In verse 1 in the same chapter, he's saying, it is good for men not to marry. And in verse 27, he also says, are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. Psalms, Psalms, of, Psalms of Songs, chapter 2, verse 7 says, do not arose or awaken love until its soul desires. Psalms of Songs, chapter 2, verse 7. These are not up there, just want to bring them up. Amen. Do not awaken love until it desires. Amen. So here, Paul's instructing these things. This is not commandments from God, once again. But, all, but, but we see in Genesis when God created Adam, the first human being, his first creation, God created him single. 
So we see in the Bible that he was single and God said, it is not good for him to be alone. And he created a female, his wife, out of his rib. Therefore, that was the first marriage. We, and the Bible teaches so forth. We believe that, yeah, once you get married, but again, Paul instructs this. Instruction is, hey, if you're, if you're married, stay unmarried. Amen? My wife's again, is going to talk more about, you know, the benefits of uh, uh, influence, uh, benefits of being, um, of, of being single and so forth. Let's go to the gospel definition here. Let's read. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news concerning the glory of God. It's a gift of God that is for the glory of God to be single and to be married. Okay? And for the glory of God, for humanity to have salvation. And that is a big concern that I've witnessed in, in, in the lives of singles throughout my life and my salvation. That I've, seen, I've witnessed singles come to church, fall in love with Jesus, and on fire for God. And because of perversion, because of lust, and because it leads to sin, pornography, masturbation, it leads to sex out of marriage, adultery, fornication. And I'm here to let you know, single people, that you know what? The gospel enables you to live free from sin. It's going to enable you, which is our next point. It's, the gospel enables you to live free from sin. Amen? Psalms 119, verses 9 to 11 reads, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. So so I did not, I'm sorry. I seek you with all my heart. So I mean, I, not rely on me straight from your commands. And I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Amen. Excuse me there. So right here, King David is saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. So the way single people, you can remain pure, that's, that's what I want to focus on right now, that you can live pure lives. Amen? You can fight the temptations. You can fight those struggles by having someone accountable in your life, having a, your leader, your life group leaders, having a pastor uh, 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 that, that, that's in your life, and you can go up to them and be like, listen, I'm struggling. You know, I, I'm tempted to watch pornography. I'm tempted to do this and that, and, and I just can't fight these urges of wanting to be with this person. You can fight those things. Amen? And, uh, and, and how does the Bible teaches us? By living according to the word. Jesus says that, Father, sanctify them by the word that is truth. Jesus says, you know, do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to this precious word. As single people to just remain pure for God. Another thing, Jesus was single. He lived 33 years of his life single, blameless, pure, without committing sin. If he did it, single people, you can do it. And I would just emphasize upon you, single people, that you can live pure lives. You can live a life pleasing unto the Lord. He says, be holy as I am holy. Amen? Say, I will live pure. Praise God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, one of my favorite scriptures, Pastor Joe quoted it. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I now live in the body, I live by the I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let that be said of you. I'm crucifying Christ. I no longer live. I'm going to let Christ just, just, just Christ manifest in me and Christ rise in me. And Christ will have the best of me and me being single. Amen? And you're not really single. You're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So you ain't alone. And I'll, just to finish up, and I'm going to give the mic to my wife, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen? So I just, again, I've witnessed, uh, I've witnessed, and, and, you know, the singles fall into sin, and, 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 and you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's a hurtful thing, you know, to see people just walk away from God and, and just leave their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and and I just want to let you know that if you're struggling, if, if it's, you know, if it's a struggle to be single, um, well, you know what? You can look for that spouse, you know? You know, seek that relationship at the same time. And, and if you don't want to, well, you know what? It's a good thing as well. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Let's give it up for my wife. She's coming up right here. Amen. You know, that scripture that we were in, in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, if we can go back there. Who is Paul speaking to? He's speaking to the church in Corinth. And this church was all out of whack, all right? So I encourage you to go back to read uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. He was bringing order to this church. There was even a young man who was sleeping with his stepmother. So that just gives you a little idea of what this church was dealing with. In the city of Corinth, it was filled with a lot of idolatry, a lot of sexual sin. They even had a temple that was built for the goddess Venus, all right? And in this temple, there were about a 1,000 or more prostitutes that were employed there. Now that's who Paul is preaching to. Paul is bringing order to this church. And you might think, hey, Paul, that's a little personal. You know, you're talking about my, my marriage or you're talking about my relationship. Yeah, it gets personal when you bring Jesus into the mix, all right? It gets personal. And so today, single people, I want to encourage you that if you were messy like this church ever in relationships as I was, you can become pure. God can use you. He can wash you clean. Amen. You can start over in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That is the glorious gospel. He takes something that was so dirty and something that, that didn't have any value and he gives it value. So single people, there's restoration for you today. Even in your walk with Christ, if you've fallen into any kind of sin, whether sexual, um, anything, God can restore you. And God can make you a person of influence. Amen? So that is our next point right now. The gospel enables you to be influential. Amen? When I gave my life to the Lord, I said, God, I want to be used by you. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I want to be used by you. Then when he started answering, I was getting a little bit scared, you know? And God began to bring older women into my life. And they would begin to open up their hearts. And I had no idea, you know, I'm like, God, what do I say to this older woman married with children, had divorced, you know, gone through adultery, all this stuff. Who am I to pour into somebody else's life? But see, the spirit of God was inside of me. Amen. 
that spirit of counsel to be able to pour into somebody else's life. I didn't have to be a person who was married with children, had my career established already. No, I was influential because I carried the gospel inside of me. I want to encourage you today, single people, to stop waiting for the future, stop waiting for your spouse and your children and your careers and all that to be used by God, but be used by God now in your singleness. Amen? A few months ago, or maybe just last year, we did a, a sermon series called The Nine Mountains of Influence, right? You guys remember that? And we talked about single people. Single people, you have an advantage to, to us who are married. You have this resource of time, right? And you can just do so much with this time. You, you can come and go as you please. You don't have to think about children. You don't have to think about uh, your husband. You know, I got to go home and cook. I got to go home and wash the laundry, you know, all that. You eat when you want to eat. You wash your clothes when you want to wash your clothes, all right? So you got time, right? Use this time to your advantage. Use this time for the kingdom of God. Come on, be a person of influence to those who are around you because guess what? You carry this thing inside of you, the gospel that is so precious, and there's people who are on their way to hell all around you. And if you keep it to yourself with excuses of I'm so busy and this and this, guess what? You're only going to get busier, all right? You're only going to get busier, and the excuses are going to become more and more and more. So use this time. Make it a priority. Be intentional in your witness. Be intentional in being used by God and hearing the voice of God. Amen? Get excited. You are not some weak little sissy Christian just sitting there. Sorry, that just came from nowhere. That's God, all right? You got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You got the Holy Ghost that goes with you, all right? And so it's time for us to get excited, all right, because we carry this power within us, and we need to put it into operation because souls are on their way to hell. Amen? We need to put aside the games. Let our childish games be set behind us, and let's go forth with the things of God. Amen? It's time to get some things in order in our lives. In your singleness, it's time to grow up. Nancy spoke about, you know, getting rid of idols, remaining in Jesus, operating in the gifts, and winning the lost. That's powerful. That's heavy. That's a lot. And we need to remember those things. But it's time to grow up in some practical things as well. Let me go up. I forgot to read some scriptures to you. It says in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. It says, don't let anyone look down on you, all right? So you think, I don't have, I can't influence anyone, so you're letting people look down on you. No, 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 none of that. Don't let, look any, don't let anyone look down on you. And I say to you this, don't let anyone look down on you because you are single. Don't let anyone say, hey, you don't have any, you don't know what I've been through. Don't let anyone tell you, no, you can't speak into my life. No, no, no. To hell with the devil's lies. Come on, be led by the Spirit of God and pour into the lives of people, young and old. Amen? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 
You guys can change that on, on your notes. 2 Corinthians 4.7. If we can get that up there, please. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Single people, you might feel like you don't have it all together, but there's this treasure inside of you that's waiting to, to shine. You might feel like you don't have everything that it takes, but God has put this treasure inside of you. See, these jars of clays, they weren't anything special. They were just used for the common day. But see, there was a treasure inside of them, and there's a treasure inside of you. Amen? And it's for God's glory, for his glory alone. And I want to move on to the, to the second point where I was going earlier. God enables you to continue growing. If you and I think, well, here's, I'll just tell you about myself. I used to think, well, maybe when my husband comes, I'll get my life together. I'll get my finances in order. Things will be better. It won't be such a burden. I'll be happier, you know. And that's not the case. In your singleness, you are complete in Christ. We are all complete in Christ in our singleness. A husband and a wife will complement us. Amen? Jesus completes us. Our spouse complements us. We work together for the glory of God. And once you get married, life doesn't just end there. It ends there. It keeps going. You raise a family. You, grow, you go through ups and downs. And it's for the glory of God. So now in your singleness, establish that relationship with Jesus because you will carry him into your marriage. Amen? I want to ask you these questions. Where are you in these following areas of your life? Spiritually, if you think when you get married, your husband is going to help you get to the throne room of God, that's not the case. Amen? If you're not satisfied with Jesus alone, you're not going to be satisfied in your marriage because you're constantly going to be wanting your husband to fulfill you in areas that he can't or your wife because only Jesus can fulfill you. Mentally, how are you? Let's get the crazy out, ladies. <laughs> Mentally, how are you? Are you stable in your mind? Do you constantly have that, a battle in your mind? Emotionally, are you stable? Financially, can you keep a job? Can you be faithful? Can you come early? Can you stay late? Can you pay your bills on time? That is important, single people. If you can do that on your own, you can do that with your husband and your wife. If you can't do that on your own, it's going to be hard. It really is. And how about educationally? Has God called you? to get an education, to go forth, to pursue something greater, but you've allowed fears to hold you back. If you get these areas of your life taken care of now in your singleness, you will be able to produce a healthy marriage. Amen? And if you haven't, if you haven't been 100% perfect, bring it to Jesus and help him grow you, mature you in these areas. Mature Christians produce mature marriages. Amen. Let's say that again. I like it. Mature Christians produce mature marriages. Amen. 
and amen. These areas in our breakout group, we're going to talk about them. So keep in mind and just take an inventory of where you are in these areas and maybe some questions and things that we can help you with practically. It would be great to come um, and talk to us about it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for joy. We thank you that we can talk about personal things in your church and that you bring order, God. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us see areas that we're blinded to, God. And I pray that we would get them right now, Lord, so that our marriages would be strong and united for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a special hand clap for them. Amen. Praise God. Let's just take a few moments now to journal about that. Once again, we're going to have breakouts at the end where you guys are going to have a chance, all the singles, to go and talk to Pastor Berto and Griselda. But uh, what a wonderful word. Only Jesus can make us whole. He completes us. Our spouse compliments us. But only Jesus can make you whole. You know, for single young adults, you have to ask yourself, would you rather be single and happy or in a relationship and miserable? All right? So it's better to wait, isn't it? It's better to wait. For some of you who are in bad relationships, ungodly relationships, ask yourself this question, how long do you want to put up with it? How long do you want to stay in it? Because as long as you are in that bad relationship, God can't bring you a new one because he's not going to have you cheat on somebody. So he can't bring you a new one. And then you're holding back that person's salvation or you know, them getting a message from God. Nancy said the best decision she made when she got back from that uh, convention, which was similar to this, like a retreat, is when she got home, she broke up with her boyfriend, praise God. That was the best thing she said she did. She had been going out with him for four years, I believe. But she had to let go of the zero to get the hero. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm half kidding. All right, we're going now for the married couples, Pastor Chris and Vanessa Vitali. Give it up for them as they come. Are you just handing it off to him today, woman of God? All doing half and half. That's so cute. Thank you, thank you. My name is uh, Chris Vitali. I'm the campus pastor of the Wicker Park location. How many Wicker Parkings do I have here today? Yeah, come on. Thank you. Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, starting off, I'm going to lay the foundation on, on, on marriage. And the foundation is not on a thing or anyone else, but on Jesus. Amen? The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to the, the church at, at Corinth. And he sent things in order, like, like Pastor Griselda had said. And he's... He's talking from the standpoint of ministry and how, how he's laying the foundation of ministry. And other people build on that foundation, but he has laid the foundation as an expert. Now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Okay, so coming into this, this uh, session of marriage, we need to... Be careful how we build our marriage. What is the foundation of our marriage? And single people, you need to pay attention to this as well. Because just like Pastor Griselda said and uh, how Pastor Joe said in the beginning that where our identity is in Christ is where our foundation is. We need to know who we are 
first in Christ before we can get to know someone else and who someone else is in the relationship because two people become one flesh. Amen? Let's continue on. Verse 11, he says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one, other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. In marriage, there can be no other foundation. You can't, you, the foundation of your marriage can't be on yourself, on, on who you are, because you, your, identity, your, your identity is no longer in yourself as far as a person, but it's also in the, in the person you marry, okay? Uh, now, spiritual identity and, and knowing who we are in the grand uh, scheme of things, grand perspective, but individually as, as persons, we can't have our identity only in ourselves because we need to care for the other person, Amen. Verse 12, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Verse 14, if, he has, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Uh, escaping through the flames. And so in our marriages, the foundation needs to be Christ. Amen? And we need to build on that foundation. Now, the things we build, the materials we gather, needs to be from the Word of God. Amen? Because if it's anything else that we try to define our marriage by, it will just crumble. It will burn up. Our marriage will fall apart. And if we don't have Christ as that foundation, then the foundation is not strong, and we're going to feel like we're, 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 we're sinking as in quicksand, everything's just going to fall apart. Everything's going to die. We'll be in over our heads. And we will destroy not only our lives, but the lives of the people we marry. Amen. So let's, let's continue on. And the other thing we need to think about in, in laying this foundation and having Christ as a foundation is the, the beginning of marriage. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 10, verses 6 to 9. When you're there, say amen. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Now, after I read this, I'll, I'll, I'll show you uh, where, where Jesus is quoting from. Some of you might already know, but let's get into it. Verse 6, but at the beginning, God made them male and female. Everyone said male and female. Okay, so it's not male and male. It's not female and female. Okay, so it, no matter what our, our society says, it's Male and female. Amen? For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Everyone say one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let, no, let man not separate. Okay, now Jesus is quoting here from Genesis. Okay, now there's, there's some people that believe you know, some weird people believe that Genesis, you know, can't be the word of God. And so Jesus is here when he's quoting Genesis. He's saying, this is the word of God. This is what has been from the beginning. Okay, so our marriages, let me quote Max Lucado. Okay, he's a Christian author. He, is, he, he writes some great stuff. He says, God created marriage. Amen. No government subcommittee envisioned it. No social organization developed it, marriage was conceived and born in the mind of God. I mean, so how many married people I have here today? Okay, so now just the, just the husbands, raise your hands so I can see how many couples. Okay, 
Now, husbands, you need to realize that your marriage was started by God. Your marriage, point number one, marriage is found in God. It's founded, as in a foundation. God has built that foundation. He started it. Okay, now the sub, the sub points. It is not good to be alone. Let's go to Genesis 2, verses 18 to 20. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Verse 18, he says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, you know, how many, how many singles here do not want to get married? Okay. So, besides maybe that one person, it's, it's fine. Be, be married... Married to the Lord, okay? There's going to be a marriage a supper at, at the end, Christ being married to the church, which I'll, I'll get into. But God says, it is not good to be alone, okay? Now, I, now uh, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, and, and uh, Berto read it, that it's, it's, not, it, it's good to be unmarried. It's good to stay unmarried. Now, I believe God did that because he's not giving the command that you should get married because a lot of us are like, oh, who, who am I going to get married? I believe God... He's calling me to get married, and God may not be calling you to get married because you, you won't work in a relationship, okay? Now, and he's not going to get com- give the command straightforward and say, you have to be single either. And a lot of times growing up, I, I've, I, myself and, and hearing others say, oh, is it God's will for me to get married? Is it God's will for me to be single? Is it this? Is it that? God's saying, it's your choice. It's your choice. He, he has a person in mind. He ultimately knows because he's omniscient of who you're going to marry or, or if you're going to get married at all. He ultimately knows. But he has given us that choice. And he says, and he's not saying it's, it's, uh, it's either good or bad to, to be married or to, uh, to, to be alone. He said it's, it's not good to be alone, meaning we, need, we don't need, but he's saying there's, um, how do I word this? He's saying it's not good to be alone. He's not giving a direct command. He's saying, okay, you choose yourself. Second sub-point, God pres- presides over the marriage. Now, this is really interesting when I, when I read it. Verse, verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So verse 20, the, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the, air and the and birds of the air and all the beasts of the field for Adam. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Amen. How are you glad there's no suitable helper in animals? Amen. <laughs> for marriage. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to him. How many of you guys been to a wedding before? Besides your own. Okay. You, you know that the father presents his daughter, right? God here is presenting the woman that he has fashioned out of man, being the essence of man, bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh, presenting his daughter to the man into marriage. And so, man, we need to think and we need to really realize that the women we marry, they're not just a daughter of, you know, some Costa Rican guy. <laughs> my, my wife's father's Costa Rican. 
she's not just a daughter of a guy who, when he, whenever he gives advice, he says, you know, in life, in life, in life, in life, he's, she's not just that daughter, not just his daughter. She is a daughter of the living God. And how, how will you treat God's daughter? If you really think about it that way. If my wife is God's daughter, shouldn't I treat her as if she's God's daughter, if she's, if she's the princess? Amen. We, we say this. We say, oh, women are princesses because they're the princess of, of God. They're God's daughters. But do we really mean it? Do we really act like it? So God presides over it like a father. Third, God spoke this union into existence, verses 24 and 25. It says, for this reason, everyone say, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Everyone say naked. There's no shame in marriage. So one, marriage was founded in God. Two, marriage is patterned after Christ's covenant's relationship to the church. Let's go to the, the first sub points. Christ is an unbreakable, Christ is in an unbreakable love covenant with the church. Matthew 26, 27 to 28. Please go there quickly. All these verses I won't go over. And in Matthew 26, Jesus is, this is, uh, this is right where Jesus is doing the, the Last Supper. And he's talking about his, his blood. And he says, then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so Christ is in, a, in, is in a, an unbreakable love covenant with the church. And so in marriage, there's the same thing. There's a covenant that has been started, and, and it starts at the consummation. For those of you who know, it starts with blood. It starts with blood. And that's signifying an unbreakable love covenant. It's, it's, it can't be broken. It cannot be broken. You break it, you have broken the law. You're breaking it, you have broken the covenant with God. Because when you get married, you get married before God. It's not just before man. The ceremony, everything is, is really meaningless when it's before others. Yes, they become witnesses, but it's before God. And we need to realize that, that we're in that relationship. Just how Christ is in a relationship with us, it cannot be broken. Jesus will not break that covenant. He is in love with us. Second sub point, Christ died for his bride. Ephesians 5.25. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Now, for those of you who have, uh, in a, have been in the 201 class and have gone over this, in, a, in, a, in the family section, Ephesians 5.25, this is, this is where we get that from. And this is one of the very uh, well-known verses that have to do with, with marriage and the, the relationships and how husbands should, should, should treat wives. And vice versa, 
Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, husbands, we need to exemplify Jesus Christ. How many husbands do I have here that want to be like Jesus? Amen? Because, yes, Jesus was perfect, and we, we are in line with, with being like Jesus. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, Jesus will extend us that grace, but we need to, we need to look after Jesus. And going back to the, Christ as the foundation of our marriage, we need to build off of that foundation and build with love for our wives. Amen? Just as, and then Christ died for his body, we need to die for our wives. Not physically die, but die to our own wants, needs, and desires, and for the benefit of our better half. Amen? Third, Christ is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. Revelations 19 uh, verse 7, uh, it talks about the wedding of the lamb and then how the, it says the bride is ready. The bride has made herself ready and is now going to the wedding of the lamb. Now, this is Christ being the bridegroom, being the husband. And so we see that, that it's patterned after Christ, that he is the husband, and then the church is the bride. And then going to the next subpoint, Christ presents the church to himself as holy and blameless. Ephesians 5, uh, 27. When you have 5, 27, say amen. This is continuing with the husband, just as Christ is with the church, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Everyone say holy and blameless. God has ordained that the husbands being the head of their wives, just as Christ is the head of the church, and we need to love our wives, and we need to present, just like how, how many you want, how many husbands do I have? You want some holy and blameless wives, right? Well, if you're not holy and blameless yourself before God, you can never present your wife holy and blameless before yourself. We need to treat God's daughters right. Amen. And before I take up too much more of my wife's time, let me, uh, let me continue on. I want to end with Ephesians 1, verse 10. I want you guys to think about this verse, especially for those in marriages that might, be, might feel like you're on rocky ground or maybe you were, you were not saved or you got married before you got saved, and maybe there's some problems in your life and you, in your marriage and you're trying to work out, just know that part of the gospel, a major theme of the gospel is restoration. And Jesus wants to restore your marriage. may not be to the point, even, even until a divorce, you may not be, be, be that far, but there, it still needs to be restored. Both your lives need to be restored to Jesus and then restored to each other under Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. It says, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So married couples, I ask you to bring both your marriages, both persons, both parties under Christ for restoration. Amen.
Amen. Give it up for my wife, Vanessa. Amen. Hey, beautiful. Okay, praise God. Everybody say, Lord, you could do it through Vanessa. Amen. Doesn't matter what time. Okay. What are we looking at today? What does our culture say of marriage? Right now, we're looking at a culture where 50% of marriages going on more, past 50% are ending in divorce. It's a shame. People are quitting on their marriages and quitting on their spouses and, and settling and, and, and going after their own personal selfish desires and not desiring to make things work when they've said that commitment before each other for better, for worse, and, and so on, you know, in sickness and health. They're giving up. But as my husband explained, marriage is God's way. And in Malachi 2, verse 6, it's not in your, in your notes. It says that God hates divorce. Now, why do you think God hates divorce? When you think about what my husband said, that, that the, the church and Christ are the real symbolism here. Divorce is like the church saying, Christ, I don't need you. Or Christ saying, church, I don't need you. That ain't how it goes. That is not how it goes with God. And right now, when you're looking at point B, there's, um, when you look at the statistics of the impacts of divorce, children of divorce are more likely to get drunk, use drugs, fail in school, not go to church, and get divorced themselves than children who are within intact families that do not give up in divorce. So God hates divorce. It brings devastation. It brings more hurt. It brings more pain. It's not how God intended things to be. Say with me, I will not get divorced. I'm going to get the most out of the gospel. Amen. We're going to get the most out of the gospel of marriage today. In point two, what do marriages need to get from Jesus' sinless life? You need to let Jesus save you from your sin before you expect Jesus to save your marriage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Pastor Joe went over it. It talks about how Jesus became sin for us. So in this place, husband or wife, or you're desiring to be husband or wife, you need to understand that Jesus became sin so you wouldn't have to be sinful. He came to save your life. 1 John 4, 8, I'll actually read here. It says, Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. God is love. You hear that? If you don't know love, how can you get married? How can you be a good husband or wife? You got to know God in this place. You need to commit your life to Christ. And along with that, 
you need to, as John chapter 14, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You need to be free first before you expect things to go well in your marriage. That's what you need to get from the sinless life of Christ. His sinlessness was meant for you to be free, for you to be saved from your sin first. Amen? Point B, you must love Jesus more than your spouse. Everybody turn with me to Luke 14, 26. It says, if anyone comes to me, this is Jesus speaking, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So that's going back to emphasize that same point, that you need Jesus first, okay? You need his life first. You need to love him more than your spouse Now, what do marriages need to get from his sacrificial death? Like Jesus sacrificed himself for you and died, you need to sacrifice what you want and die to your desires. John chapter 12, verse 24. I'm going to go ahead and read through these quickly. You don't have to turn there. They'll be there so you can go back and look at them. But John chapter 12, verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You need to die to your desires in marriage, okay? You need to die to your wants, or else there's not going to be a lot of good fruit. There's not going to be a lot of seeds. Now let me simplify that. You want to not do the laundry, die to your desires, be like Christ and die. You don't want to take out the laundry. I mean, take out the garbage, sorry. You don't want to take out the garbage, die to yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, point B. Wives, submit and respect your husbands. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Amen. Wives, submit and respect your husbands. So when when they say to do that laundry, you don't say, I don't want to do that laundry. Who do you think I am, your slave? Uh Uh-uh. You do the laundry, okay? You say, yes, honey. I love you. Point C, husbands, love and be considerate to your wives. I should have thrown in there as the weaker partner because that's the truth. (laughs) 
as the word of God says, as I just read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. So husbands, when your wife is like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm so tired. Oh my gosh, I just, oh, I just had the longest day ever. You just say, honey, I love you, but you're still doing the laundry. <laughs> I'll help you carry it down. I'll help you carry it down the stairs or carry it up the stairs. Amen. So die like Christ died on that cross, married people. Die to your desires. Amen. What marriages need to get from his burial and resurrection. Now this is going to get a little more deeper, a little more sensitive. I, I want to first read Romans 6.23 before I explain this point. It's a very familiar verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's saying here that what you get from sin is death. What you get paid for your sin is death. So when you're sinning, it equals death. Now, a lot of you, before you got married, you did a lot of sinning. You know? And a lot of you, when you got married, you wanted to know all about that sinning. You wanted to know every nook and cranny of what your spouse did. Of course, you know, your husband and wife. But in the process of hearing about every nook and cranny of whatever was going on, you got a little hurt. You held maybe a little bitterness, a little grudge about what that person did, about how that person handled things. Or even in your marriage, there was some sin. And you were hurt bitter you wanted to hold it against them for what they did but what I want to say to you today is that things that are dead point a things that are dead in your marriage need to be buried in order for Christ's resurrection power to be able to resurrect your marriage The sin from the past, the mistakes that have happened, the things that you should have already put to rest, bury. Sin needs to be buried because it is death, and it will kill your marriage. Amen? And remember, when you are thinking about not burying that past sin, for example... We were listening to a sermon by Mark Driscoll, my husband and I. And he was giving uh, his testimony about his marriage. And him and his wife had written a book. I forgot what it was called. But the point is, he was testifying about how his wife, you know, they weren't living holy before they got married. And when um, they got married, she was pregnant. Little did he know it wasn't from him. And that was the secret that she kept from him until they got married because she knew that if she had told him that he wasn't going to marry her, obviously. He was not going to just have that. But he got married to her, and his, his pride was shamed. He was humiliated, and he, he held such a bitterness towards his wife for what she did. 
And he, he didn't know how he could forgive her. And it, it, it affected many parts of the marriage all throughout the years. And it was like that one hurt that kept on resurfacing, kept on coming back. It was horrible. And, you know, what I want to say to you in this place, there are situations in your marriage that, God forbid, but if it's happened like that where it causes a grudge, you need to remember, point B, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. That's what Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15 says. It could be very easy to just let those things resurface, and understandably so. You know, it, it's, it's easy, but that's what the devil wants. But like the word of God says, God hates divorce. He hates divorce. So today, you, the way you're going to get the most out of the gospel is stand opposed to today's culture. Get the most from Jesus' sinless life by accepting him and knowing him today. Love Jesus more than your spouse. Die to your sins. Die to your desires and bury the past and let the resurrection power of Christ come into your marriage. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's welcome Pastor Joe back as he comes. Yes, hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for every married couple in this place, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, Lord God, would rule in their marriage, that the gospel would impact their marriage, Jesus, that every person in this room would have a relationship with you first, that they would know your love first before they expect to even love each other, God. I pray, Father God, that, Lord, you would just... Bury the things from the past, every hurt, Lord God, everything, Lord God, and let them be free, Jesus, from the things of the past. If there's spouses in this place dealing with chains of pornography, Lord, we bind that in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, if there's spouses in this place dealing with self-esteem, whatever it may be, Lord God, low self-esteem, suicide, whatever it may be, Lord God, from the past, just change from the past, Lord God. We, we just bind those things and we ask for freedom, your resurrection power, Lord God, to come into these marriages, Lord Jesus, that your gospel would refresh and renew every couple in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you just to stay put for a few moments, but let's journal what you got out of that. What did you receive for your marriage, potential marriage in the future? Or what did you get to know about Christ and his, uh, his plan for redemption? Think about that. Christ thinks of us as his bride. That's pretty awesome. We'll be breaking out right after this. So please don't be in a hurry. I do just ask you to, uh, you know, get some rest tonight so you can come refresh tomorrow with some of your friends and family because we really want to end on a high note tomorrow. Amen. I would really like to see you here and encouraging those who couldn't make it. And at Wicker Park, the same thing, coming to the Sunday service, just giving back now to the congregation and then us ending on a high note. And uh, all of this will be online, the videos, the, uh, the PDF of your notes, so you can share it with others. So I really pray that God will bless you. What's that? It should be up soon. Well, I have a special guest that I want to call forward, Lauren Pickens. Uh, Pickens, sorry. My mind is thinking that because we're talking singles. Lauren Sienski. 
One of our deacons and SUM students that is uh, fixing to graduate. When are you going to graduate? This last semester? May. So this is her last semester, so she is, like, getting very close to becoming one of our pastoral elders. But I really wanted to honor her and her experience as a single mom to speak to our single moms today. And if you know any single moms, you'll be able to share this with them as well. Thank you. Well, um, for you guys that don't know, a lot of you guys are new, but... Uh, Before my amazing, handsome husband came along, I was a single mother. I had my first daughter out of wedlock. And um, I want to start off by saying that that is not God's plan for the family. It is not God's plan. It's not God's plan for you to have a child outside of a a mother and a father in the home. God's plan is a mother, father, children, and raise them right. But... There is mercy, there is grace, there is forgiveness, and there is redemption, and he makes things right that you made wrong, and he makes what was ashes into beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. And I want to tell you, there's so many lies that a single mother deals with, and the first one that I want to point out is that the promises in the Bible are just for uh, children that have two parents. And it's not true. Every child is so precious to God. The Bible says that um, children are an inheritance from the Lord. Do you know what an inheritance is? It's like your father dies and, and leaves you millions and millions and millions of dollars. Like that is an inheritance. And children are an inheritance from the Lord. They're not a mistake. It's not something that you say, uh-oh, God didn't know it wasn't going to happen. That child is known by God. And it is an inheritance of boy or girl. He, she is an inheritance from the Lord. Your child is not any different than a child that has two parents. There were so many lies. I remember um, talking to my father many times, and he used to tell me, no man wants a, a woman with a child, which there are quite a few men that don't want a woman with a child. But there are plenty of men of God that if the Lord imprints that on their heart, they will fall in love with your child just as much as if it was their own. And I want to say, as a single mother or a father, you have to obey the commands of God. This, this, what I'm talking about is for mothers and fathers that have decided to follow Christ and you're a single parent. This is not for a single parent that's in the world. This is a single parent that says, I'm going to follow Christ now. I know what I did was wrong, but now I'm going to live the path of holiness, and I'm going to do it right. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, start a child off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So as a single mother, as a single father, you do just what the Bible says. You train that child in the way that they should go, and just as if they had two parents... They will not turn from it when they are old. It doesn't matter. He doesn't say a mother and father train this child. It says you, whoever you are, that promise is for you and for your children. Something else that when I was a single mother that I used to look on is Isaiah 54, 4 and 5, which I forgot my Bible. Can you, can you put Isaiah 54, 4 and 5 up for me? But the gist of that is says that the Lord is your husband. 
And just as Griseldo was saying and everybody else before, marriage is not perfect. You know, single moms, single people think all the time, I'm going to get married and it's going to be glorious and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And man, is it not anything that you think it's going to be, although it is wonderful. But <laughs> there is no husband in the world that will be as perfect as a husband as God. I'm going to read this. It says, start in verse 4. It says, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not feel disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. God is the perfect husband. He is the perfect father. Everything that you have lacked as uh, uh, having a wife or a husband for your child or having, um, you know, a spouse, he completes that. He makes, he makes up for everything that a husband and a wife would lack. You have so much more having Jesus Christ and God as your husband and God as the father of your children than you would even have as somebody next to you. However, God, it, it still is his plan for that, that person to have a husband and a plan to, for that child to have a father. But he is still the defender of the weak. He is the defender of the broken. And he loves you. And I just want to say, closing, that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, there are a lot of things that come with being a single mother. I, I say single mother. I know father too, but I was a single mother, so I know mother better. Um, there's so much from the past that comes up. There's so much that you're reminded of when you look at that child before you find an a amazing husband. You look at that child and you're reminded of your past. But we have to remember God's promise in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. You have to be encouraged today that you are made new. That child is loved by God. And in Psalm it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you desire to have a husband, if you desire to have a wife, God will give you those things as you delight yourself in him. It will not come any other way. It's through him. It's through his word. It's through faithfulness. It's through obedience. And God will give you everything that you desire. My husband is amazing to me. He loves my child just as his own. We don't even think about it in our home anymore. It's not even something that comes up. Like we just know that that's our kid. That's our firstborn. It doesn't even come up. God makes everything new. I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you, God, that no matter who we are, there is something in your word for us, God. And I just lift up every single mother, every single father in this place, God. And I ask you that you will continue to be the husband, to be the spouse for that person, God. I pray, Lord, every child that is in this church that has a single mother, a single father, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be the father of that child, that you would be their defender, God, that you would be with them, that there would be nothing that they lack. I thank you, God, for your promises, for they are for everybody. They're not just for, for the perfect or, or the the couples or the singles, God, but they're for everybody, God. 
And we thank you today, and we praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. She's going to be doing the breakout with the single lady. So let's just write down anything you may have received from that session. I know I received something powerful, powerful from that. What did you receive? Write it down. Ellie's going to begin to put on some background music. We're going to get ready to break out in groups. When the group is done, you are dismissed. I hope that you stay around for this and really pour your heart into this because we want women, married women, to get together with other married women, married men, etc. So I'm going to start doing the breakouts, but I'm going to give you a few moments to do this. I'm going to look forward to seeing you tomorrow well-rested, excited, shouting in His presence. And uh, who's leading worship tomorrow, Pastor Adam? Rachel, remind her to make time for testimony during that first song. So for those of you who have received during this uh, conference, we're going to give you a chance to testify to your friends and family in Sunday morning service. And Pastor Chris, would you remember to do that with Jerry as well for Wicker Park? Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Vanessa, Pastor Vanessa, would you come, please? I'm going to just start putting uh, different people in their spots. Did she have to go somewhere? Is she not going to be back for a minute with the baby? Okay, can you uh, grab her for me real quick? Okay, so we'll start with the singles. Pastor Berto, would you come, please? So when we get ready to dismiss, all those of you who are uh, out